Welcome to episode 203 of the Red Dirt Agronomy Podcast. I am Dave Deacon. We took the show on the road this week, and we're coming to you from the Noble County Fairgrounds in Perry. In fact, you'll probably hear the train in the background at some point, where we sat down with the presenters of Oklahoma State University Extension's Spring Forage Clinic. We talked nitrates and prussic acid with Oklahoma State's area livestock extension specialist for the western part of the state. The basically what happens when that cow rumen is overwhelmed mm-hmm. with this nitrate, then it doesn't allow, it gets through the blood, it gets into the blood, and then it doesn't allow the oxygen to be carried by the blood. And so you, if you were there at the time of death and you were able to see the blood, it would be dark brown right. because there would be no oxygen in it. Right. Is that correct from a chemistry standpoint, Brian? Okay. Dana Zook. We also talked forages with Oklahoma State University's Area Agronomy Extension Specialist for the western part of the state. Yeah, because you can't grow roots if you don't have any above-ground growth. And you're just shooting yourself in the foot if you're just trying to keep taking and not giving. So, Josh Bouchon, Noble County Extension Director. That depends upon the number and the crop and the environment, and there's a lot of things going on. But the first test is, is find out how much it is. Yeah. And just because you test it today and it shows a number, next tomorrow it's going to show a different number. Chad Webb weighs in on how his county is preparing for potentially another year with very little rainfall. And finally, Oklahoma State University Extension Precision Nutrient Management Specialist, Dr. Brian Arnell. You all know we can drive by ground that they didn't divest. They're now hanging it, still got cattle out there, and it's grubbed down. And that stuff is... It's almost doomed to failure if they don't get those those numbers off because they're 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 stocked at a population for a good year. Talks about what he's been chatting with producers across the state about. Needless to say, we will be covering a lot of interesting stuff in this episode, and you will be able to find information on all of it on our website, reddirtagronomy.com. The doctors really do enjoy hearing from you and answering your questions. So if you have one about soil or crop production, jump over to reddirtagronomy.com and leave your question there. Or send us an email directly, podcast at reddirtagronomy.com, and we will discuss your question on the next podcast. Now, I do need to add that we do appreciate the messages that we've already received, and the doctors will answer them in the next episode, which we will have them all together once again. So be sure and stay tuned. We kick off episode 203 with an update on how things are going just above the plow pan with Dr. Brian Arnell. You are listening to the Red Dirt Agronomy Podcast. I've been able to be in all, in three three corners so far, southwest, northwest, northeast. We have that nice band that's cutting that I-35, I-40 corridor down. And um, there's that thin margin where on one side of it's had three inches, on the other side it's had six to ten. So our northeast, where they're pushing a lot of fescues, the Bermuda grass is starting to drain up. They've got a lot of moisture. South southeast is flooded. Uh, a lot of the in-laws are showing pictures of a lot of flooding down there, McCurtain County, LaFleur County. And so we've got a lot of rains looking at trying to handle handle that uh, the fescues are coming along well. Bermuda grass is starting to green up in the eastern part. Uh, going to have a lot of potential. They've, they've filled up their soil moisture. As we transition west, our southwest had some decent spring rain, so we have some great-looking wheat 
uh, pasture out there. A lot of the the wheat pasture, wheat fields, a lot of the pasture ground got some moisture. Mm-hmm. Not really building a lot of sub soil profile, but they got some moisture into it. And unfortunately, as we transition up to the northwest, by the time you get to the Panhandle, it's just obsolete. There's just nothing left out there. So we're looking at a whole range of. It's all about where you're at, right? Our Eastern part, we're looking at full potential, really needing to look at nitrogen management, getting our nitrogen down to try to um, build up that, that hay reserve, get our get our fields back in after last year, which is a struggle. Southwest, we have potential, but we're, we're on that verge of the Southwest. We've got our temperatures starting to spike back up. We're getting warmer days. Our wind speeds are kicking back up. And so what moisture is there is starting to move rapidly. We've probably got Bermuda grass uh, kicking up green down in the southwest corner. In the northwest, we're really looking at what do we do if it doesn't rain the next 30 to 45 days. So mm-hmm. in the northwest, we're now don't put a lot of nitrogen down. Don't don't force that fact. Let's take some soil samples, know where we're at on PNK, uh, but move forward in that direction. Today is actually bring your county educator to podcast day. And, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, we have my county educator, Chad Webb, from Noble County. <laughs> and, and Chad, how, how are things looking in God's country right now? Poor. Yeah. Yeah. Wheat's turning yellow. Mm-hmm. It's, we need rain. Yeah. Pastures are not looking good. Uh, very very few positives right now one thing and 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 i really felt bad saying this um to several of my neighbors here in noble county but we were very fortunate in that rain earlier i guess earlier this week uh we were in that band that caught that training rain southeast of perry and we got eight tenths of an inch of rain people up in northern noble county didn't get that uh there's th- this this has been there, there's been a lot of variability with whatever rain we have and and you can almost see it you know field by field as, as you look across the county yes even if you go up to mezzanet which is at sumner yeah we're i think at three tenths something right. like that yeah yeah and you are actually hosting the road show today we have I'll let Brian introduce the crew here because okay. because as part of the road show, you guys really need t shirts that say, you know, the insert name here, Extension Road Show. But but you guys have been traveling we, we had road shows in the past and we don't need those names. Yeah, they there was there's some <laughs> sorghum names tours. Yeah. <laughs> sorghum tours. So uh and and this road tour wasn't on me. This is actually uh Dana Zook, our northwest right. area. Uh, animal scientist uh, out of Enid and Josh Bashong, our northwest area, western area, agronomist out of Enid. Dana did all this, put together a really good program, uh, really got all the uh, counties together and worked on that one. And I'm just happy to be along for the ride. Well, I, now, now in the background, you're going to hear the Burlington Northern. Mm-hmm. I hear it. You hear it? Yeah. Uh, you, you know we're at the Noble County uh, Fairgrounds because there is that train. I mean, we're two major arteries of trainage go right through uh, through through Perry here. So you're going to hear that mm. intermittently throughout the uh, throughout the podcast. But Dana and Josh, what's been the message you've been talking to Oklahomans about? Well, obviously, we kind of spurred everything around the drought, the ongoing drought, where right. we are in northwest Oklahoma, like Brian was saying. And obviously, hay supplies are still tight. We've been getting tighter the whole winter. So guys are looking at what kind of crop can I grow to get 
some hay made. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a lot about the annual forages, the forage sorghums, the sorghum sudans, and the hay grazer types, and also just our perennial pastures as well. Just what can we do to get those up and going to get some forages for these animals? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things we've focused on, of course, Bermuda grass is kind of what we focused on here in Noble County. Um, farther counties out west, we did um, some focus on native grass. So we had Dr. Laura Goodman at several of our western counties, Alfalfa County, Beaver County, Harper County, and then in Dewey County last week. Focused a lot on stocking rate, range management, cedar trees, mm -hmm. and how they can cause their own drought. Um, so a lot of management factors, um, not necessarily ones that can be solved here very quickly. As Brian, you know, he, he does a lot of fertility that can make a really quick change if we have some rain. But, you know, it's always a, it's a long-term management thing. And so we just thought it would be good to focus on some of those, you know, um, drought, you know, um, forage type things. So Dana, what, what has been some of the, the, the big questions you've been getting as you've been across Northern and Western Oklahoma? So we have a, I mean, I will be honest. I don't know if you guys have input, but it seems like, um, producers are most interactive in the fertility part and about understanding nitrates and prussic acid because we had a summer right chad this past year that had so much forage that was high in nitrates high in prussic acid and it's they're kind of confusing and so i think um producers have appreciated kind of that refresher on some of that and there's yeah. a lot of questions and misconceptions right. about it and the differentiation between the two the prussic and nitrates and like she said Going back last summer, we've had several, several samples. Right. Well, OSU, the soil testing lab, Highland opened up basically, was it free or reduced cost? Reduced cost. Yeah, reduced cost. So. And I, I know they were getting 10 times as many samples on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. the, the state really took advantage of that drought uh, as, assistance or however you want. How, how many more samples do you think you processed last year than you would have? I probably doubled it. You probably doubled it. But you you were showing me, Chad, your your high numbers weren't near as high. We've seen I saw some twenty five thousands and some mm -hmm. thirty thousands wow. on the peeping, which which will kill stuff. Just so we know that that, that as far that as number, nitrates go, right? Not Ryan? nitrates, right. yeah. Okay. On the on the nitrates, that that's bad numbers. But mm -hmm. Chad's numbers weren't near fifty nine hundred. Was yeah, fifty nine hundred was my highest in twenty twenty two. When which, we go back to eighteen and nineteen, we're talking about eleven, twelve thousand stuff like mm -hmm. that, which kind of surprised me being this year i thought we'd have had been really high but we weren't do you think it's because and this is a question i've had from educators do you think it's because they were just dry it's just dry and so that plant wasn't taking that nitrate up as quickly or as efficiently because that's what i've seen out west not as many high 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 nitrates so with the whole nitrate toxicity and josh and i kind of bouncing this earlier is that to get the nitrates into the plant you know well we had the question how many pounds of nitrogen do mm -hmm. i apply not to have nitrate well that's it's not a question you have an answer to but you'd never know but to get nitrates in the plant you have to have water movement so you one have to have nitrates in the soil free nitrates and you have to have water being taken up into the plant and plants will take up nitrate in excess because it's a mass flow Wherever water's coming into the plant, it is pulling nitrate. 
So, Dana, if you're always dry and you don't have that excessive amount of water, you're not getting a lot of free nitrates in there. And so you need the overaccumulation of nitrate and then a stress. So the worst year for a nitrate would be one of those years where we have a really nice spring where you got a lot of fertility put out and then it just shuts off in June or July and it just gets extremely hot and dry. So you had that early season vigorous growth and then it just shuts off. And that's when you're going to see those really, really high values. Uh, kind of keyword there, heat and drought. Heat and drought. Uh, so just a stress plant. It can be anything for fertility to pest, you know, insects, weeds, diseases even. And it's not just soil fertility because we even had guys bring in samples that it was heavily fertilized and the results came back low. And we had some that didn't put out any fertilizer and they came back sky high. So uh-huh. it's not just soil fertility. It's just because we're looking at, you know, felled corn, felled uh-huh. milo. And another interesting thing I saw were, at least going out to the panhandle, we were bringing in a bunch of corn uh, hay from Nebraska and stuff. It didn't have any nitrate issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the stuff we had locally was we're steering guys yeah. away from it. So you mentioned kind of the perfect storm for nitrates mm-hmm. being everything's great, everything's green, everything's lush, you're, you're fertilizing all mm-hmm. of that. If you don't have that going in, is like it would would we still have that potential across the state if it if it doesn't green up and we stay in drought? I mean, is is that still a possibility? There's always so I'd put it this way: is that if you have a stressed crop, yeah. get the nitrate test because it's cheaper than dead cows. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just because you don't have all the conditions that you would think to, that six dollar test, mm-hmm. that's a lot cheaper than then feed up in the air yeah. on one or more or or even a single uh uh abortion right aborted calf aborted yeah. calf mm-hmm. i mean that six dollars is awfully cheap for not having a calf on the ground right whenever you, you you mentioned that the numbers were a little bit they weren't as as high as what you were afraid of in in noble county um this last year how many other opportunities do you think that there were that people didn't take advantage of those tests that that just had dead cattle or or were not taking advantage of what the extension office has? I have no idea. Yeah. I've heard dead cows, but that person that I was told never came in. Right. You know, and I've heard that a lot of things, but until they come in i have no idea but yeah i've tested several in-house testing and you know of course it would show a color so we'd send it off Mm -hmm. and that's one thing dana was talking about is on the county level it's kind of the 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 triage the the entry level yes it it's it's yes or no and then from there you need to send it on to the state level Mm -hmm. to be tested so say say you you get you test yes and is there a waiting period? Because I know it's it's not a hey we got we got your test done today. Uh, it, it, you want to you want to restrict the cattle off of that, but how long? That depends upon the number and the crop and the environment, and there's a lot of things going on. But the first test is is find out how much it is. Yeah. And just because you test it today and it shows a number, next tomorrow it's going to show a different number right so you test it like with the drop test is that what you're talking about chad or are you talking about sending it off to the lab sending it off to the lab okay mm-hmm. okay right and that's where we had some issues where guys were wanting to 
keep bringing in tests to figure out when to lay their hay down. Mm-hmm. And like Chad said, it swings, you know, overcast day, sunny day, cold day, hot day, day to day, where you grab the samples. The best thing we found is just roll it up and then take your sample so mm-hmm. you know what you got because it, it doesn't change once it's in the bell. And they're going to use it anyway. Yeah. They're going to use it in some yeah. way. They're not going to not harvest it, in my opinion. The guy said next to me said, well, I burned it, and I thought, really? Really? Are you just really? Oh, gosh, don't get me started that, on this, Steve. Just, like, okay. Okay, so I, you heard me like, oh, yeah. really? Are you going to yeah, burn it? What? Right, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, I burned five of them, and I thought, did you? Five bales, that's all he burned? Yeah. Oh. Uh, just, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, 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 and and he could tell whenever it was they they burn a green color whenever they're you know no no they they're, they're oh, not color. Oh jeez. <laughs> Tough <This> audience. <laughs> Tough audience. No respect. No respect. Oh, that, that's a good one. There's the wives' tales. <laughs> I mean, those people that say that you put the hay up and then if you leave it there five years, the nitrates will go away. Right. No, that won't happen. Well, and and that's one thing I I found interesting in listening to your 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 talk was. Um, I had no idea that that it would be that could gas off or it could you know transfer. That's prussic acid. Well, I'm, yes. I'm jumping. You oh, you're jumping. Straight. Okay, yeah. so sorry, sorry, sorry. That's dude. my fault. I, <laughs> I, I how dare you? T- turn your page now to prussic acid. Okay, <laughs> now here on your prussic acid page, we've got, but Pitch. but just just the fact, page, um, the fact that it would, you know, it, mm. it would gas off. I had no idea about that. Yeah, so that's that's a perfect example of you, you know, you know, blending those two things. Right. All the producers do that. Yep. So so yes, get it will kind of disperse for the most part, but nitrate we have prussic acid will disperse. Prussic, yep. And nitrates does not change after you cut it, it is what it is. Mhm. Even when the strings are falling off and you can't move it, like it it might as well spread it out as fertilizer. <laughs> right. Is that a good is that a good an option? Yeah, yeah. no, so when when hay's prevalent, I've I've had folks use that as fertilizer or put it over areas where they knew rough ground and they put it in. So yeah, right. that high nitrate. I mean, you're talking nitrate levels are are high enough to kill something. That's why you won't feed it. That that's a high concentration. We're talking right. percentages of in. And and one of the things I I like to remind folks on the nitrogen side, and this is one of the things that you're talking about on that that droplet that you often find nitrate even at low levels is that we got to remember when we start talking about feed and feed quality, when we talk protein, that's nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And so now there, there's there's mm-hmm. amino nitrogen, there's ammonium nitrogen, there's nitrate nitrogen, but all those go into that protein value that we have. So just thinking that most of our forages have protein, that means there's some level of nitrate. So that means that there's a good chance you might trigger the, uh, the droplet test, even though the nitrate's low. So, Chad, I was going to ask you, uh, the percentages, I know you're looking at me. The percentages, <laughs> let, let's say you had 10, 10 folks do the drop, t- or 10 folks get color with the drop test. Are all 10, in your experience, going to send it off, or do you have to kind of argue with that, or what's that? I'd say 50% are going to send it off. Really? What are the other 50% going to do? Just feed it to stalker or something that's lower, lower risk? They're going to find something to do. They're going to save that $6. Six dollars, mm-hmm. and we had some that would come back in a couple of days just to see if the next 
plants they grabbed were good. Mm-hmm. But then they're delaying. Like it can go on. It went on and on and on and on. Yeah. yeah. And like at a certain point, that plant is so mature. Oh yeah. Then yeah. you're like, what, well, what have I done? Like, so, so what we have is when that plant's growing and we're getting that nitrate accumulation, it's getting in that plant and it's staying as nitrate because there's not enough moisture in the plant for it to convert to ammonium and amino acids because you're under uh, this drought stress. So if you sample it and your weather only gets hotter and drier, you're basically shrinking the moisture out and you're increasing the concentration of nitrate in that plant. The only way it's going to go down is if maybe your humidity goes up, you get a rain, something along those lines that you're going to get it diluted because it's more of a dilution factor at that point. Or you can remove it or move it to other parts of the plant or turn it into ammonium. And so, yeah, the whole waiting on it, and unless you know there's rain going to come in the future, mm-hmm. you might as well go ahead and get it done now and then deal with it. Get that sample, know exactly how much you you have in it to figure out, okay, am I going to grind it? Am right. I going to blend it? Can I just feed it? Is it good enough just feed the stalkers and not worry? Just keep it out of the, the cows. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's what I heard from another uh, the guy next to him. Um, he, he, he said he just, if he gets into that situation, he'll just blend it mm-hmm. and, and he'll... Mm-hmm. He'll condition them to it, I guess, and then because, you know, that's lost forage otherwise. And we have a calculator that we can help producers Mm -hmm. do that. Say, you only Mm -hmm. should use 20%. Now, if they're going to blend it, not every producer can do that. But Earl Ward Mm -hmm. created that calculator. Mm. He's like the king of calculators. So Yeah, going back to blending, that's not put one of these bells out and no, five no, 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 right. no, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about like actually chopping <laughs> yeah. it up yeah. and blending it together. Well, why not? Aren't they selective? I thought I thought they would oh know better. Every, every fifth bale, you make sure oh that one's sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I think no, that's I've how been, it No, I've been told that. You could put one one high nitrate out with two lows and they know best enough to avoid the high nitrate. <laughs> Is it high get, nitrates because it's high in pigweed or like they will avoid that you, you make that face chad but this is what we all all four of us live in this world you know what i'm talking about yes, <laughs> yes I that's where you're doing natural selection to thin your herd up <laughs> to get the smart ones <laughs> or, or at least those that just don't like the the pigweed yeah no I, I just just to clarify people have said oh you know nitrates and 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 all of that what what's what's wrong with that the way I was told this, Glenn Selk explained this to me many years ago, and I've slept since then, but it's essentially suffocating the cow because it, because of the transfer of oxygen. Right. Am, am, I, am I correct? Yeah, correct. That? Yeah. So uh, with nitrates, mm-hmm. now here I'm getting into chemistry. Oh, Look at Brian. Right. Oh, Let's my gosh. So so nitrite, it's actually nitrite poisoning. Okay. So it's it's the basically what happens when that cow rumen is overwhelmed mm-hmm. with this nitrate then it doesn't allow it gets through the blood it gets into the blood and then it doesn't allow the oxygen to be carried by the blood and so you if you were there at the time of death and you were able to see the blood it would be dark brown right because there would be no oxygen in it right. is that correct from a chemistry standpoint brian mm-hmm. okay um, and then prussic acid. Do you want me to talk about that, Dave? Sure. That's an opposite. So, again, we overwhelm the system with the prussic acid. Eat, 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 eat. And all of a sudden, that cow will kill over and die. More, It's more, um, I almost said tragic. It is tragic. <laughs> <laughs> it happens more quickly. Yeah. Um, but but that is, there's a lot of oxygen in, in the blood mm-hmm. because the organs of the animal can't take it up. And so if the blood, if you look at the blood of an animal that's died of prussic acid, it's bright red. Right. Both are basically uh, asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. So. What are the signs of 
nitrate poisoning or pressing that. Is there anything Was, you would just observe by driving it, by at the normal 60 miles per hour? Respiratory <laughs> distress. Right. I mean, like uh, mouth, open mouth breathing, mm. um, stumbling around. Uh, like, just imagine being choked to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about that, like just not getting enough air. Or really, I mean, you you could look at somebody that's on the strip after about two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. I was just going to step away from that. I she she named so all, yeah, of the, all of the all of the respiratory distress. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> well, okay, <laughs> right. But, like you said, it, it might be gradual for the nitrate issue, right? And then sometimes the prusic acid can be instant. Yes. We've seen cows with their heads stuck through a fence where it gassed off when they chewed it, and it was pretty instant. That's yeah. amazing. Well, so that's most of the time it's, it, can, it's, it, go, it goes through the rumen. Basically, it works through the rumen. So, yeah, it will be there. Over, it will overwhelm them very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and so they will be stuck like that. And that's another question when we had a lot of samples come to the lab, and one of the first things we ask, are you grazing this or are you haying it? Right. And if they did have concerns with Prusik on haying, usually we don't have any issues because our equipment has crimpers on it and we have physical destruction of the leaves and stems and it kind of gasses off in the windrow. It's not 100% safe. There's some K-State mm-hmm. research saying there could still be some concerns, but by and large in hay, mm-hmm. we're more concerned about nitrates. Grazing, we're worried about both. Yep. What is the time between cutting and baling to feeding? time that prussic acid guesses off by the time it's dry enough to bell yeah say that that biological activity is done right is that a good way you have the crushing of the cells which then helps open up and you have immediate gas in the cyanide gas cyanide gas gases so that's pretty immediate on the crushing the drying is that the moisture is wicked off then you have a little bit of biological action that that continues on but Mm -hmm. i would say it's by dry down if, if you're bailing it too wet, then you might have some problems. You also have fire problems. Mm-hmm. So th- those are just some of the questions that you've been getting on, on, the, on the Northwest tour here. But what, what should producers be thinking about as they're moving forward through this drought? Is there, are, 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 we, are, we, are we calling it a continuing drought? Are we getting out of drought? Are we um, just trudging forward what 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 should producers say say a guy in noble county just just because chad's here um say a guy in noble county (laughs) bought some land has a few acres gonna run some cattle does is has some recovering um pasture land that's been overgrazed before he got it and is wanting to make a go of it what what does the outlook look like for that poor fella um, more poor, more poor, more poor. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Not but this year, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's, that's but, kind of the first question we need to ask is, you know, instead of how much forage and all that, is how many heads should you have on your right, operation? Yeah. A yeah. few acres, Dave. I mean, what's our annual average document rate? Eight to ten. A few? What are you talking about? Two? Oh, seventy-ish. Oh, okay. Give, Here give we go. or That's take. Okay. Um, and in that seventies, there's about thirty llama. Thirty got, acres of cedar trees. You got, you got right? a lot of Not those as many, many short horns. Not as many. I killed a lot of cedar okay, trees. Okay, all right. So we're talking I, I about mean, you. I mean, okay. this person killed a lot okay. of cedar trees. This person I know right. really close. Very close. Well, it's in Noble County. I, okay. wanted, I wanted to yeah. make sure Chad has yeah. some input on this, uh-huh. but. But I mean, this. What 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 advice do you have for that person that's that has recovering 
pasture land and has a couple of cattle and and is wanting to make a little hay if possible while running cattle in another pasture. I would say want to jump off a stocking rate, and you guys, yeah. agronomists, can agree with me. Agree. You can agree with me. <laughs> you will. You yes, can. ma'am. We will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that pasture have to recover during the growing season? Yeah. So yeah. it's not rest. So we're not going to rest. Like in December, we're going to take a rest. Right. We're going to pull the cattle off of our, our ground in December. It's going to make everything better. No, it needs to rest and, you know, get more water mm-hmm. into the soil during the growing season, right? So yeah. we should understock, right? I don't know. That's, yeah, because you can't grow roots if you don't have any above ground growth and you're just shooting yourself in the foot if you're just trying to keep taking and not giving so soil test and fertility soil test fertility watch your weed control but it goes back in and i feel like and maybe i'm wrong and we've talked about this before on the podcast Mm -hmm. but i feel like this latest run we were able to manage stocking rate a little bit better than the 1213. I yeah. feel like some areas were able to divest in their, their their herd numbers a little bit quickly than we did back then. And I think some of the ground is better off. But I've also, you all know, we can drive by ground that they didn't divest. They're now hanging it, still got the cattle out there, and it's grubbed down. And that stuff is... It's almost doomed to failure if they don't get those those numbers off because they're 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 stocked at a population for a good year. Roger Gribble used to say, "Sacrifice your um, poorest mm-hmm. ground, yeah. yeah, and treat your good ground yep. well." Yep. How how do you convince a producer of that though? I mean, I mean, you can't you can't say you you need to only have four cattle. But in reality, I mean, I did the mm-hmm. I did the analysis thing online, and this was back in back whenever there were heavily amounted or, or heavy amounted cedar trees on there since we've been gone. But it said I should have four cattle on that on my seventy acres. And how did that make you feel? It made me feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Yeah. I, it it kind of made me go wow. Mm. In my mind, I was thinking ten, fifteen, maybe. 20 i don't know my wife's in charge of everything with a heartbeat i'm in charge of growing stuff for the mm-hmm. stuff with heartbeats and so she she said you know our, our first year we were looking at maybe 10 but whenever i saw that four with the cedar trees that are mm-hmm. no longer there but still have to grow back grass and stuff it, it said four and i mm-hmm. thought wow we're way off and 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 we're looking at separating the property hay on one side graze on the other side mm-hmm. And, but, but, but how, I, I was just curious, how, how do you, how, how does that producer go, but I really want 10, there's money to be made with 10 if I, if I buy hay and if I do this and if I graze what's there, but you in, in reality that needs to take a break, you know? That's a hard question to answer. Chad, do you answer, you try to answer, I try to answer it. We get calls all the time. Mm-hmm. All you do, all you can do is inform them. Yeah. You can't make them do anything. You can't right. twist their arm. You can just tell them what research says and let them make their decision. Mm-hmm. But, but then it's, it's that, the, the, the money in it. I mean, mm. you're, I, I I can put down nitrogen. I can I can you know force it to grow and within rain reasons, but and and then have the cattle graze it or just put it out like that. And it's like long term, you're you're not helping the not helping the land. And everything's a cost. And everything yeah. is a cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, th- I think the price of hay and price of grain helped a lot of people yeah. divest quicker this year. Mm. That's probably really true. I mean, that's probably a good point. I've sent a lot of people to USDA for help. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they went, but they were that's provided the information. Uh, we we all know a producer down in southern Oklahoma. This was the first year he has not had cattle, and he had 300 ba- or bale, round bales ready to go, and he just couldn't make that pencil out, and so he had 300 round bales ready to go to be sold. And it's he he needed to let it take a rest. Mm-hmm. He he ran the numbers, and it was a good year to rest. I, I I was just curious how someone needs to look at that and go, okay, maybe I need to sit back and just put four cattle out there. Talk to one of your economists and help them go through the the numbers yeah. for you. I mean, that's that's one good yes. way. And then and then sometimes they just have to make their own decision. Yeah. I mean, if they've got a lot of outside income. Maybe that doesn't matter to them. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean that's I yeah. mean, that's reality in some situations, yeah. and that's and that's their choice. If you can't make it pencil out on paper, yeah, you're yeah. not going to make yeah. it. You're basically, running a feed lot out of a dry lot, yeah. so right, and hurting the pasture right. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of scenarios where you know you might have several generations built up on genetics on your fu- on your range. Right. Yeah. So, We've seen that with disasters and stuff like that with wildfires. Where it's a big blow to them. So, let's say we get rain. Let's say Northwest Oklahoma turns into utopia of grass and forage. Should producers still take that um, that approach of thinking of it as a drought and then just reaping the benefits of a green year? I mean, because there is talk of one of the ninas switching. I can't remember if it's law or L or one of them but but yeah. we're, we're transitioning we're transitioning into neutral yeah. which means we don't have a freaking clue right looking forward if yeah. if we are given that opportunity how, how do we change things so on a, an improved species if you have a good stand and you get good rain you didn't lose anything you can push it pretty hard on our natives that have suffered and been pushed hard and so same thing on a native if you've been managing your native and it was in good shape going in meaning we've got 80 90 percent stand don't have a lot of invasives everything's going there you could treat it like a normal year but we got a lot of ground out there that's probably 40 50 percent stand of what you want that's both on our improved and both on our native so those need recovery then you got to think about our nutrients p and k nutrients to make sure we have root establishment make sure we have good plant establishment you got to consider your herbicides do we need to help out that struggling stand it's basically like an reestablishing a stand do we need to give it a little bit of a competitive edge mm-hmm. As far as maybe some yeah. some some herbicide control, so to me that goes back to where are you setting that as far as your your current situation to how you go to the next step. Like you said, some of these fields where we literally slicked it off to dirt, you have bare soil, and you get rain and sunlight, you got weeds. So, mm-hmm. what do you want in the bell? Mm-hmm. A bunch of weeds or a bunch of hay? Goats. You goats. just run goats. You just run goats. Yeah. You can. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if llamas, you have a lot of broadleaves, yeah, yeah. I mean, broadleaves. Yeah. If you've got multi-species. We're talking about the Deacon farm. I mean, you're talking you guys llamas, have goats, and goats, goats, alpacas. And thank alpacas. you. They're same different. Same. They're 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 a compact car, and and the llama is an, is a sedan. This is the compact. At least that's what my wife says. <laughs> I like I say, but I'm interested <laughs> in this in this 
I mean, oh, I need multi-species. To you, I need to show you the drawing. It's we've got it all sketched oh, okay. out. That's that's all. With with no rain, that's all we can do is just sketch. So <laughs> okay. it's like over here, we're gonna run this one, this one. Now, um, speaking that's of penciling it out. Yeah. Ah, well done. Yes, yeah. I called it sketching. It's actually penciling. Um, to that end, um, I, I do want to say, Dana, my wife went to the cattle women's workshop in Chickasha oh. in 22 and listened to you speak. And she's, she, she learned a lot from, from you. Oh, and, great. And, and oh. she really found a lot of great benefit in the, uh, in the cattle women. It, 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 am I using the name correctly? Yeah, cattle women's camp. That's yep. what we have. And, and we have another one coming up. <coughs> Oh yeah, and it's it's affordable. You learn a lot. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so you want to be a cattle rancher. Mm-hmm. You need to learn all of this, mm-hmm. and and she, you know, she has a, a background in livestock, but she found what you all had, you know, to talk about very informative and found it very useful too. So oh, very good. That's great feedback. Yeah. So speaking of anything coming up on your guys' agendas, any any big meetings coming up in the next month or two, either at the Noble County or on the Northwest area side? We have the Cimarron, uh, Cimarron Ag Spring Conference coming up where we're offering six C, six ODAF CEUs. So that will be a big deal. It's Which might be, be the day after this gets posted. Yeah. Yep. So. yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come Bring on. it on, right? <laughs> Registrate now. Um <laughs> But that's not the only thing you have going on in Noble County. I mean, you there are other things coming up in the in the in the spring and summer also. Yeah, uh, Nathan and I in Payne County, we're working on a Cleet uh, emerg- livestock emergency program. Really? Have I lied to you before? Uh, hold on, hold on. Let me pop these down so we can talk about that. Okay. Uh, okay. Now we got that straightened out. Is that the right question to ask, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 discussed it off air, oh so it's gosh. it's all good okay, now. All right. um, but but that's that's really cool. And and that talk about what the what that actually is. I I love the look you give me. You're like in the past, you've done no. really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it prepares emergency managers right. for to be able to handle livestock. Right? Is that kind of what you're preparing? I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's, I just yeah. Sorry it's, it's, to jump in, Chad. It sounds like Dana's going to be teaching it. I don't <laughs> it does. It does. Oh, uh, I just done a few of them. No, we're going to probably be work with the Extension Dart team. Uh, where where we have um, livestock emergencies come through, where like the police or the sheriff or high patrol run into an instance where there's I don't know cattle starving to death, or yeah. there was a trailer that turned over in middle interstate, something like that. Yeah. We're trying to get these guys and gals to uh, recognize, you know, the difference between a bull and a steer and a heifer, you know, between a, a long-eared cow to, you know, a different size and shape and bike condition scores. So that way when they, when they run upon it, they can inform somebody else and then it helps some better identification. Uh, how to handle these, these cattle or these ho- these horses that are running loose? There's a lot of things that that happen that that some of these people don't know. Uh, yeah. A couple years ago, I guess four, five, six years ago now, did one and and the Tulsa um, Animal Control came over. They didn't know one thing about cattle or horses. Wow. And they were scared to death of them. I I can remember. Back in my extension days, we were coming back from Indianapolis, and there was 
someone, the tailgate on a trailer plopped huh. open and three longhorns stepped out at 70 miles an hour and and shut down the interstate there's three longhorns running in the median and we're from oklahoma state university we will go help oh my (laughs) gosh you helped i wouldn't use the word help but we (laughs) we ran alongside them for about three miles and um did you have a video of it uh craig woods does i I need to i need to talk to him about that but 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 we we asked the trooper, I said, hey, what do you need us to do? We'll help. And he said, I have no idea. And so in Indiana, they had no idea either. But but we were able to run alongside them for quite a ways and get them into a pasture. Just, you know, force them over a fence and get them into a pasture and off the interstate. Because that's all we could think to do at that point. But it's it's great that there's educational opportunities like that 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 you and uh, nathan are teaming up on for that and and that's coming up later on in the summer mm-hmm. okay super and then um and, and you guys have uh programs going on too josh and dana yeah yeah uh most of ours are starting around or kind of finish up but we still have some pesticide trainings like chad's got going on and some more dicamba trainings and stuff we'll see in the next couple months yeah, cattle women's boot camp. Sorry, Chad. No, I was gonna say we got wheat demos planned. Oh yeah, oh, we yeah. got all those types of things. We got like some it. wheat tours coming up in May. Mm-hmm. Right, we forgot about that. Yeah, cattle women's boot camp. I'm not sure if it's full yet, but we could probably put the link there. If they oh yeah, see if yeah, we'll register. do that. Um, cow calf boot camp, just regular cow calf boot camp, which is just everybody at the end of April. I'm sure that that's already full, but there's a lot of like educator training that goes on during the summer get out in fields and stuff like that mm-hmm. so josh and i are involved in a little bit of that too then we have the extension experience yes 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 yeah that's ongoing so what is that you, you guys are in what your 10th year oh yeah our 10th year, 10th year. 12th, 13th? Maybe, i haven't even been here 10 years <laughs> josh i can't say that for josh all right all right the podcast yeah the extension experience is People are like, what's that? Well, it's a podcast. We yeah. came up with a weird name. I don't know. Uh, the podcast, we host lots of different subjects. A little agronomy, mostly livestock. Um, you know, just interview people. I've had a few producers on. So it's we. Tr- I try to do it. We try to do it every yeah. other week. Yeah. And By so. and large, Dana carries the program. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get Josh in there. I'm going to have him. This this coming up this growing season. Just be prepared. Josh is going to have That sounds like our Josh. He, yeah, he know, just right? doesn't he's really. Just <laughs> he's just there. <laughs> No, it's a really fun thing. I enjoy it. I mean, as far as views for extension meetings, I mean, like, oh, yeah. if you get 30 views in a week, I mean, to me, that's like a meeting. Oh, yeah. That's great. Exactly. So I, I, I feel like it's just like a fun extra thing to do. And and we, we try to keep them a little bit small. Yeah. So, you know, the commuters for 15, 20 short, minutes. Short. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We try to keep them a little shorter. We Let's should try like that. Jab, I, red I know. Yeah, I know. Like it's like an hour you. and a half, yeah. right? Uh, sometimes a half day, yeah. you know. Yes. But, but, you know, we're looking for those folks that are on the yeah. big Tractor. tractors yeah. that have got hundreds and thousands yeah. of acres to, to auto steer and long drive. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. So, well, thank you guys for, for sitting in with us on the, on the red dirt agronomy podcast. And, uh, we'll post, uh, links to everything that we talked about on here. And, uh, and, and, and I guess next time we'll go to another County and we'll introduce that County educator too. Thanks for coming on with us, Chad most reluctantly coming on with us here. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening in on this conversation of the Red Dirt Agronomy podcast. And if you'd like to join the next discussion, send us an email, podcast at reddirtagronomy.com, or send us a tweet. Our handle is Red Dirt Ag. We would like to thank Oklahoma State's Extension Area Agronomy Specialist, Josh Bouchong, and Livestock Specialist for the western part of the state, Dana Zook, as well as Noble County Extension Director, Chad Webb, for joining us on this podcast. To find out more about all of our guests, along with any of the resources that we talked about today on the podcast, visit reddirtagronomy.com. There you'll be able to find show notes and you can listen to past episodes too. For Dr. Brian Arnell, I am Dave Deacon, and we would like to thank you for listening. The proceeding is a copyrighted recording of Agnow Media, LLC, 2023. And yes, all rights are reserved.